0: Please turn in your Bibles to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Leading up to and including Easter next week, we've been looking at four questions. Four questions that Jesus' disciples ask Jesus in John 13 and 14, the night before Jesus died. Jesus is addressing His disciples' despair over His imminent departure, and they ask a series of questions. Peter, as is his wont, goes first, asking, Lord, where are you going? And you remember Jesus' answers, I'm going to prepare a place for you in my Father's house. Thomas then asks, Lord, how can we know the way? And Jesus answers, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now this morning... It's Philip's turn. So let's begin reading with Philip's request in John 14, verse 8. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it's the Father living in me who is doing His work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me... Will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, you will obey what I command. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. This is the very Word of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Do you believe that God loves you? Many of you responded like my students at Front Range Christian respond to such questions just immediately. Yes, we know the right church Sunday school answer. Yes, I believe it. Jesus is the answer. Would you pause a bit with me though? I'm glad you believe God loves you, but would you dig with that question with me a bit this morning? Do you do you really believe that God is utterly head over heels in love with you? Cherishes you, cares for you. Do you believe God truly loves you? Can we dig a bit there and reflect a bit? Delve into maybe our deepest parts and Look closely at that question with with me this morning. Will you please? Do we really believe that God loves us? I'll be honest with you. In those deepest parts of me, I sometimes doubt God's love. And as I thought about why this past week especially. I think a main reason for that occasional doubt at least is is because of the pain and suffering that God allows in my life and, and and in the world. Knowing and believing as I do that God has the power to prevent pain and suffering like that when He doesn't prevent it at least not all of it Sometimes that question can sometimes cause me to doubt God's love. Because, you know, uh, allowing any pain and suffering, it, it, it doesn't feel like love to me sometimes. Do any of you struggle with that sometimes at least? Uh, does it ever cause you to at least question God's love? Now let me ask a different question. Do you believe Jesus loves you? See, for me at least, that's an easier question. Especially this time of the year when the cross gets pushed forward. I, I don't often, if I ever doubt, Jesus' love. I have an easier time believing and trusting wholeheartedly without hesitation That the one who freely allowed himself to be nailed to that, I have an easy time believing that one loves me. I've got an easier time believing and feeling without hesitation Jesus' love than I do in God's love or God the Father's love. Now, Why that different response, do you suppose? Maybe it's because I've missed an important lesson that I think our passage this morning highlights. Maybe I've missed the same thing Philip and the disciples seem to be missing. And that is believing, truly believing, which means trusting, that when we see and know Jesus, we see and know God. Like the disciples... I. I have trouble with that sometimes, with believing that God's love for me is as eager and present as Jesus' love is. Do you sometimes struggle with with that unity of God's love and Jesus' love? Is it easier for you to, to feel the love of Jesus than it is for you to feel the love of God? If I'd ask you to close your eyes in a minute, I won't. You can do it with your eyes open. So I'd... Every time I ask closed eyes, sometimes people fall asleep. So keep your eyes open. If I ask you just to picture in your head, pi- picture God the Father. You know what? What does He look like? Bless you. When I see God the Father, I see an ancient of days type figure. You know, uh, Almighty God comes to mind, and. and And by its nature, almost, for me, there's a distance. Now what if I asked you, okay, picture in your mind now Jesus. Is it different? Is there a closeness with Jesus that maybe we don't feel with God, even in the pictures we have of them? You know, in addition to the pain and suffering question, another reason I think trusting God's love for me, is sometimes difficult is that I fall into the trap of viewing God the Father as, you know, the God of the Old Testament who seems all about wrath and condemnation and judgment and law versus the God of the New Testament who instead seems all about love and acceptance and grace. And at that part of the reason at least we struggle with truly and consistently seeing God the Father's love, well, that's a shame. Because in fact, God's love and acceptance and grace is all over the pages of not only the New Testament, but also the Old. It is a mistake, my friends, to view the God of the Old Testament as especially or uniquely a God of wrath, condemnation, and law. In truth, the God of the Bible, Genesis through Revelation, including the Old Testament, He's been about love and acceptance and mercy and grace from the beginning. And I thought maybe it would be worthwhile and helpful this morning to remember again a a few of those Many instances in the Bible, in the Old Testament in particular, where God's amazing love is on display. Let's begin in the beginning with creation. What an amazing act of love that God through Jesus created the universe. And even when Adam and Eve chose to disobey God, what is among God's immediate response? His immediate response is to seek them out. His immediate response is he promises he's going to send the one who will crush the serpent's head and make everything right once again. His immediate response is even very practical. He makes clothes for Adam and Eve who suddenly find themselves naked and ashamed. Soon after, God finds a man named Abram and God in love passes through a blood path as he covenants and promises Abram not only land and descendants, one of whom who will be Messiah, but promises that Messiah will take the blame for sin. What a loving thing to do. And David, who gave us about half the Psalms, do you ever notice David can't stop singing about God's love? Psalm 6, turn, O Lord, and deliver me. Save me because of Your unfailing love. Psalm 36, Your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens. How priceless is Your unfailing love. Psalm 86, You are forgiving and good, O Lord, abounding in love to all who call to You. For great is Your love toward me. You, O Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness. And while anonymous, if you've read it, who can easily forget Psalm 136, which repeats 26 times in 26 verses, that God's love endures forever. And in Israel's history, time and time again, it's God to the rescue when Israel would otherwise be destroyed. Hardly the actions of a God unacquainted with love. Interesting, isn't it? Amazing, really that despite God's love running amok, yes, even in the Old Testament, many nevertheless suggest that the God of the Old Testament is the God of wrath, condemnation, and law. Now to be sure, the Old Testament and the New give us detail on God's judgment of sin and nations, to be sure. But like the God of the past, present, and future, God's judgment is only for those who choose against Him despite God's offer of love. And that's important for us to remember when we're grappling with and dealing with the question, when we're considering, well, does God love me? Because the Bible, without exception, reveals God is all about love and acceptance and mercy and grace for all who accept His offer of love Period. And so any hesitancy we have in trusting God's love because of His judgment side, well, we have no biblical basis to hesitate as God's people because God never fails to love His people, Old Testament and New. Even our New Testament passage before us this morning helps bring together the loving and gracious God of the Old and New Testaments. There are clear Old Testament ties in Philip's request that Jesus show them the Father. Philip certainly knows well the story of Moses and the story of Isaiah, for example. Philip knows that once upon a time, back in Exodus 3, Moses said to God, God, show me your glory, which is a way of saying, God, show yourself to me. And in Exodus, God replies to Moses, okay, I will, but you can't see my face, so Moses, you go over there, stand on that rock, and I'll pass by for you to meet, for you to see me, and you'll only be able to see my back. And God does this, and Moses gets to see God's back. Philip also knows Isaiah. Isaiah also sees God indirectly like Moses. Isaiah sees God in a vision in heaven sitting on His throne. And Philip knows also that it was Isaiah who later wrote that in the days of the Messiah, the glory of God will be revealed and all mankind together will see it. So now, knowing the stories of Moses and Isaiah, there sits Philip in John 14. And Jesus has just said to them, From now on, you know the Father and have seen Him. And you can almost feel Philip's excitement. What? We've seen the Father? Or we get to see God? Where? Did I miss Him? And perhaps Philip is thinking, Hey, that's right. Isaiah says, when the Messiah comes, we get to see God. Jesus, show us the Father. He is a Jew, Philip knows well the biblical teaching that no human can see God directly and live. So we need to forgive him a bit if he's having a hard time believing that to see Jesus is to see God. And then it's Jesus' turn to get a bit excited. We can feel it even in the English in Jesus' response. It's more exaggerated in the Greek. Many Greek commentators especially suggest, given the Greek syntax especially, that Jesus... Jesus is a bit exasperated and frustrated by Philip's request. Some even suggest that he gently rebukes Philip a bit. I mean, Jesus says, Philip, uses his name, Philip. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you know me? Don't you believe I am in the Father and the Father is in me? In effect, Jesus says to Philip, wow, Philip. For you to ask to see the Father when I've been standing right before you for these three years must be. You don't believe that to see me and to know me is to see the Father, do you, Philip? Otherwise, why would you ask? And by the way, when God passes before Moses and Moses sees God's back, do you remember what Moses saw? He saw goodness and mercy, and compassion, and grace. He saw slow to anger. He saw an abundance of love, we read. He saw faithfulness and forgiveness. And all of that, right in the middle of God giving Israel a second chance after the golden calf incident. Even as Moses has the second set of Ten Commandments stone tablets in his hands, right in the middle of God giving the law, Moses looks at God and sees goodness, mercy, compassion, grace, slow to anger, abundance of love, faithfulness, and forgiveness for those who choose God. God has always been a God of love to His people right from the beginning. And John in his Gospel brings this truth home. In Jesus, the ultimate expression of God's love. To know and to see Jesus, to experience the love of Jesus is to experience the love of God the Father. Here's some interesting statistics, if you like numbers like I do. In John's Gospel, God is referred to as Father 120 times. Now, if you really like numbers, you might note that 120 is 12 times 10. And 12 times 10 in Jewish thought and practice, two special numbers, 12, 12 tribes, even in Christianity, Twelve, twelve disciples. Ten, the number of completeness. Twelve times. What a coincidence that in the Gospel there's not 119, there's not 120, but there's 120 times that John uses the word Father. Isn't the Word of God amazing? And in John 14 alone, God has referred to Father 23 times, an unusually high concentration in our chapter before us, even for John. If we take John's entire farewell discourse of Jesus, chapters 13 through 17, it just so happens the word Father is used 50 times. Ten, the number of completeness, times five, the number that stands for the love and obedience in the five books of Torah. What a coincidence. At any rate, the noun Father dominates both the Gospel of John and Jesus' goodbye that we're looking at this morning. Now, guess what verb dominates? That's it. It's the verb to love. The Greek agapao. 35 times in John's Gospel, 25 of those right here in John 13-17, through 17, Jesus' goodbye the night before He dies. John seems, whether intentionally or not, to bring together and emphasize Father and to love. In other words, John emphasizes God the Father loves us. No wonder it's John who in 1 John 4 makes the incredible statement that not only is God loving, not only does God love us, but God is love. He says it twice in case we missed it the first time. My friends it 's always been about God the Father loving his children always. God loves us, and God loves you. Both testaments, the complete revelation of God, emphasize god 's love for his people and for his children. I came across a video this week where where someone imagined a letter God the Father might write to his children, maybe you 've seen it it 's been around for a while. This one especially caught my eye for two reasons. It's based very closely on Scripture. So really it is a love letter that God the Father has written to us and given to us in His Word. It also catches my eye because it reminds me that before Almighty God our Father, we are indeed His children. Let's watch. Kids are beautiful, aren't they? And God's love is amazing, isn't it? Today is Palm Sunday. It's Lamb Selection Day. Which lamb will you choose? As you consider which lamb which way to take in your life. Also consider who it is that's offering Jesus as the sacrificial lamb. In Luke's account of the triumphal entry, Luke includes an amazing detail. The other Gospels don't. Luke tells us that as Jesus rides down the mount of olives as the people are cheering and shouting hosanna and waving palm branches luke tells us that as all of that is going on jesus weeps not for joy He weeps in sorrow because He knows what will happen to Jerusalem and His people because they refuse to accept the triumph of God's sacrificial love. And instead, with a symbol of political might and power in their hands, the palm branches, they're begging Him to take up power and to blast And He weeps because they've missed Him by a mile. Jesus loves people so much that He weeps when people miss out on who He is. He cries over the dirty, rotten, sinning lost. And here's a point. Because to see Jesus is to see the Father We know that it's the Father who also weeps over the lost. God weeps over what will happen to them because they missed His Son, Jesus. What? God the Father who judges those who choose against Him cries over them? Can we even imagine a judge weeping even as he condemns someone who is guilty? Because to see Jesus is to see the Father. We know this to be true about God. God loves people so much that it breaks His heart they are facing judgment and condemnation. It breaks His great heart. Do we have the same heart for the lost? And we know because God is just, He's fair. We trust that He is just and fair. So we know that any and all who receive, who have received, or who will receive judgment, they've been given a fair opportunity to choose Jesus, even if it might seem to us they get blindsided. A just God doesn't blindside or sucker punch people, He's fair. And He loves them. He loves everyone. So of course they will have a fair opportunity to respond to God's love. And it's only when they ultimately do not that judgment is deserved. But here's the thing. When we're in Christ, we don't deserve judgment. That's the Gospel, really. Now, that's good news. In fact, if you're in Christ, in Christ, you deserve heaven. And so when you say yes to Jesus... You say goodbye to any doubt at all about God's love. Jesus loves you, and God the Father does too. In fact, according to the Bible, God is love. John writes in his same letter of First John, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that's what we are. Jesus loves us, and God the Father does too. Now... Why is it so important to know, to truly know and to trust that not only Jesus, but God the Almighty loves? Well, it frees us. It emboldens us. We don't need to hesitate in trusting God because of pain and suffering because we know and believe and trust, if we do, that God Almighty loves us. How often do we, I know I'm guilty of this, How often do we hesitate to go down a path we know God wants us to go down because we're afraid of the consequences? Hmm, that's going to hurt. That's going to cost me money. That's going to cost me time. That's going to cost me acceptance. My reputation's going to take a hit. That's going to cost me my stuff. See, if we're unsure at all of the love of God, we're going to be equally unsure, equally hesitant to put our lives on the line for God, in my opinion. That's why God wants all of every part of us. It's important we know that God's got our back. Even when it doesn't feel like it all the time because pain and suffering still exist. Do we have the faith that God loves us? Do we truly trust that despite circumstances of pain and suffering? Do we truly trust that God loves us? Whenever we doubt that, if we ever doubt that, we would do well to remember that God has always been a God of unequivocal love to his people whom he calls his children since the beginning, since before the beginning. Always. And we do well to remember that Jesus is the ultimate evidence that God the Father loves us. Jesus' love in freely giving his life for us is God's love too because to see and to know Jesus is to see and know the Father. And so do you believe that God loves you? If you believe Jesus loves you, then, whether you know it or not, and I'm hoping to encourage you to truly know it this morning, if you believe Jesus loves you, then you also believe God loves you too. Because to know and to see Jesus is to know and see the Father. Jesus loves you, and God the Father loves you too. Embrace it. Count on it. God's love indeed endures forever. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your unfailing, compassionate, gracious, forgiving, merciful love. Forgive us, Father, if and when we doubt that because of pain and difficulty and hardship. Give us, O author of our faith, the dead certainty that you are madly and deeply in love us so that we may be emboldened to impact the world in your name by in turn loving it into the kingdom of heaven, Lord willing. Father, we love you. We thank you for being a God who together with his Son weeps over those who miss him. May we not miss you this Lamb Selection Day or any yet to come. Thank you for the honor and joy and privilege to celebrate Passion Week this week. We look forward to an experience of you and your word and your unfailing love. Thank you. We love you. And in Jesus' name, the Messiah's name we pray. Amen. Will you please stand for the benediction? Benediction, a phrase translated blessing or even good words from God. This one from the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Romans, chapter 8. May we all, like the Apostle Paul, Be convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In the name of the Messiah, God's people said, Amen. Amen. See you next week on Easter. We'll look at Jude's question, Lord, what about the world? Oh, I'm so glad he asked. Wait till you see Jesus' answer. Don't miss it, I know I won't. See you next week. Bring a couple of friends. Will you? God bless you.